Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. That might be the most innovative cover ever of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Johnny Guaneri at the Keys, recorded in 1976. I'm Morgan Cunningham. This is WTIC News Talk 1080. And yes, believe it or not, Johnny does have a Connecticut connection, and I'm trying to work that into a very, very special edition of Spotlight Connecticut, so I can't share too many details. But uh, I was really looking for an excuse to play that song for the longest time. And this is it, the start of baseball season. And I'll tell you what I'm excited about is our very own giveaway that begins on April 10th. You can win tickets to a Yard Goats ball game at the Duncan Park in Hartford, on May 3rd, and you can hang out with us, Team TIC, WTIC News Talk 1080. It's a thing we're doing with Brian and company. I'm part of it. Of course, we've got Brian Chapman, Matt Sorois, and a number of our other friends here at WTIC, Bob Cox, Mark the Shark, all of us. You'll get to hang out with us in Hartford for a ball game on May 3rd, and we have a giveaway that begins on April 10th. Now, I wish I could tell you all the specifics now about that giveaway. Unfortunately, I don't have all of them, but I can tell you that this is something that is coming up. So you've got to keep it here to WTIC News Talk 1080, and you'll be able to learn just a little bit more about what that's all about. Um, But, you know, we had so much fun doing it in Hartford for a Wolfpack game not too long ago either. And uh, it was great to just see all the listeners and hear from them what we mean to them and what they mean to us. We get to tell them, of course, and um, not talk about hard issues and politics, but just chat a little bit about life, take in some fun and enjoyment. And that's what it's all about, getting that face-to-face connection. So I'm looking forward to doing that again in Hartford, this time for a Yard Goats game, and that will be on May 3rd. You can win your way in to be part of Team TIC starting on Monday April 10th. Details coming up very soon. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight Connecticut, and we are going to be talking about prison art this week. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You are going to feel very inspired by it. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Justin Iraqi Hill, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Here we are on WTIC talking about prison art. And I know that you can't really see this, so we're going to talk about the bigger picture issues, and a little later we'll really describe some art just to give you a taste of what's on display at Eastern Connecticut State University at the Fine Arts Instructional Center. The prison art exhibit is there through April 22nd. My guest is Jeff Green. I met with him this week. We recorded there at the gallery. Jeff runs the prison arts program. Hello, Jeff. How did you get started with all of this? Way back in 1991. So I just fell into it through a friend of mine, and I heard about it, and I went into Cheshire Correctional a large maximum security facility, a lot like what you would imagine. And there were all these people in the prison and they were making art because they couldn't help but make art because of who they are, where they are, and what they need to do. They need to communicate to the outside world, to their loved ones, that they still exist, that they still love and need to be loved. Um, There's a need in the prison to create something to have something that's yours. So these are artists that aren't thinking, oh, I'm an artist, I wanna be an artist, what am I gonna make? That's not an artist. An artist is someone who can't help but make art. And that really struck me, and that was 32 years ago now, and I've been working in the prisons ever since. 
Were you taken by surprise that first time you went into a prison and you're seeing the artists? It sounds like you were perhaps a little bit surprised at all of the work that was going into the prison art, but you're there now seeing it for the first time yourself. And could you take us back to that moment where you are meeting these artists for the first time and learning what they really are doing in prison? Well, the first thing that you're struck with when you are interacting in a workshop in a prison or really doing anything in a prison is there are real substantial people, complex people. And it's not like people like you. They are you. Same as you. And so I think that was the first thing that struck me. The second thing was how important art was to people in prison, how important art was to the prison itself. That art is the commodity of the prison, so there's no store to buy something for your daughter, for your grandmother, for your husband. So if you are going to send them something, you're either going to make it yourself or you're going to hire someone else to make it. So the most powerful people in the prison are the artists. They're, they have the thing other people want. And so I was struck by that, but I was also struck by the fact that so much art that's made in prison, wonderful art, art that connects families, connects communities, um, but art that is often very typical, that is prison art, art of the prison, portraits, tattoo patterns, hearts, banners, heraldry, things like that. And you could spend decades in a prison making the same artwork over and over again. And I was struck with the opportunity through the prison arts program to interact with artists in the prison and encourage them and enable them to make art that only exists because they exist. Unique, original artwork. Art that's not of the prison. And that's one of the first things that I really realized, substantial things that I realized was that, you know, everyone's living in the prison, wearing the same clothes, eating the same food, showering in the same place. They're already there in the prison. Why would they have the prison in their artwork? Why would they have the prison in their dreams? So they should be making something that's unique to them, that's their own thing, that's not of the prison, that one reminds them that they aren't defined by the prison, that they are a substantial, unique human being that can transcend the prison, that will one day leave the prison and hopefully leave the prison without the prison still inside them, right? Without the pointlessness of the prison, without the despair of the prison, without the alienation of the prison. And so really, I think those are the things that struck me, you know, and that art could be all of those things. I'm looking around right now at Eastern Connecticut State University, where the prison arts program has a lot of material on display right at the Fine Arts Instructional Center. There's a beautiful art gallery here at Eastern. And just like you said, Jeffrey, I'm looking around and I'm seeing that the majority, I mean, 98% of the art in here does not reflect that somebody was in prison. You would never know. There are a few things that are indicative of that, but most of it is not. And are you thinking that they're trying to like connect with the world outside, with their family members, just be creative and express thought that might not have any other place in the prison system? Well, I think now that the, pr the program is so developed and so widespread in the prisons is that we are really encouraging and providing evidence of the value of making art that only exists because you exist. And so there are people in this show, they've been building bodies of work for a couple years or perhaps decades. 
And so there's all of that work that you're seeing. There's, um, there's the connection to the families and the community, which is infinitely valuable, and valuable in ways beyond just keeping people connected, but also having family members remind each other that they're growing and evolving and changing, that they're not the same person that went into prison, and their family member on the outside is not the same person that they left when they went to prison. So there's all that going on. But all of this work, this is the culmination of a year's positive, constructive endeavors in the prisons. People in prison in Connecticut are making artwork that brings a whole new world into the prison, a world that's not of the prison, a world that's their own, a world that brings something new into the prison that never existed before. And that's what you're seeing a lot of that in this exhibition. Are other inmates aware that maybe their cellmate or their person in the cell one over from them is making art, or is it kind of a secretive thing? No, it's very transparent, is that people are making art in their cell, yes. Sometimes people, they don't want other people to see it. They don't want other people bothering them while they're making art and then bother them about making a portrait or something like that. But for the most part, other people living in prison are extremely proud of the people that are participating in these exhibitions and getting their work out into the world. There's a lot of that going on. When people are making art, it provokes other people to empathize. So officers, other people incarcerated, are empathizing with the artist. The artist is starting to feel that empathy. And in return, they start saying, you know, you could make art. If you just work 10 minutes a day, you could make artwork. Just keep it at the forefront of your mind start giving them lessons from our workshops in the blocks. And that's occurring all the time, too. So there's this back and forth that's initiated in the workshops, but then permeates the prison as a whole, and then changes the level of discourse that's going on in the prison, and changes the way people think about each other, think about what's possible in the prison. You know, one of the things that people might not think about is that the prison isn't a time out from life. It is your life. You are living in the prison. And we have these very brief lives. So being able to do something substantial while we're in the prison is incredibly valuable. And it's something that grows and evolves and changes and something we can take with us out into the world, something positive that we can take out into the world. You mentioned the workshops that you do, and I'm speaking with Jeffrey, who is the director of the Prison Arts program and we're seeing a lot of the work currently on display at Eastern Connecticut State University here on Spotlight Connecticut. And my question is, what goes on in the workshops? Are you giving inspirational speeches? Are you giving lessons on how to make the art itself? Like the literal, okay, you know, you pick up the paintbrush and you do this kind of stroke, or is it trying to evoke the emotion out of the inmates so that they can go back and work on the projects how they see fit? Could you talk about the workshops yeah, themselves? So it's, it's all of the above. I'm definitely preaching art, you know? So I go in there and the same way I'm speaking to you right now and speaking to your listeners, I'm going into the gymnasiums and the libraries and closets and wherever we can organize our workshops. And I'm preaching the value of making art, unique, original artwork. Um, how do the workshops operate? There are moments where we're doing group activities. Um, technical skill is taught as needed. Rather than, no one wakes up at three in the morning to look at a shading exercise that they've been working on. So I want to start people off right away with artwork that they really care about. 
your earliest memory, perhaps. Something like that. A Valentine to your wife that you spend a thousand hours on. I'm going to give you five ballpoint pens. You got to use them all up. Things like that. And so there'll be lessons like that, but technical instruction is only as needed rather than saying, okay, here's two point perspective, a point here and a point here and make these lines. I'm going to say, okay, I'm looking at this drawing. Now make that same drawing from the point of view of a, of a little dog, you know, from a dachshund. Let's see what that same drawing looks like from there and try to do it. And then we'll look at that drawing and then I'll provide technical, you know, support as needed. But there's a lot of critiques going on. We meet individually, one-on-one. -on -one. I meet with each artist individually. But then there are critiques. We talk about our work. It's very valuable for an artist to be able to verbalize what it is they're doing and what they hope to do or what they don't know. Or um, just to express this is an ambiguous endeavor. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with it. And someone else will say, well, it looks like you're going here. And then, oh, maybe I am. And then people in the workshop start saying things and thinking things that they never thought or said before. That's the workshop. Same for me. I'll say things and think things that I never thought or said before. And so there are these group interactions. What is the most valuable aspect of them? The outside world is being brought into the prison. I'm coming in and I'm, I'm providing evidence that the world of the prison isn't the world. There's a whole outside world. I'm connecting the outside world to the inside world. But as well, I'm providing this moment in the prison for people to get away from other knuckleheads in the block, to get to a space where they're with other people of like minds who want to do something positive and constructive that builds something that they're not sure what it is or why they're doing it, but it feels important to, for them to do it. And they share that support so that they know, well, I'm not a fool to think that I could be an artist. I am an artist. Do they ever have to overcome, the inmates that is, difficulties in that you mentioned the knuckleheads in the block, right? People that maybe aren't so understanding. As you mentioned when we were talking earlier, maybe they have tickets for bad behavior as part of the, the penal system. Do you ever find that they have to overcome those kinds of adversities? Or do you find that maybe they don't really care and they just keep doing their work? There's a million adversities. I mean, on the inside and on the outside, right? For any artist. But being able to find uh, time and space just like any of us would. But in a prison, you're living in a bathroom, a five foot by eight foot bathroom with another person. So where are you gonna draw? When is a good time to draw? When is the light right? How are you gonna protect your art supplies so they're not destroyed? How are you gonna walk the line in the prison so that when there's a shakedown in the blocks, your artwork isn't destroyed? So there are all of these things that people have to overcome. Spilling coffee. <laughs> it, it happens all the time. What happened to that drawing? Ah, I spilled coffee on it. You're in this tiny space. And so encouraging people to figure out the logistics of being an artist in the prison, but also encouraging people to work with what happens. You got coffee on that artwork? Let's work with that coffee on that artwork. Obviously, you have a lot of support from the State Department of Correction, I would imagine. Yeah, so this work makes the prison a more hopeful place just right off the bat, for everyone working and living there. And so that's a, that's a big thing to consider, is that as it is, prison is this false, adversarial, tense, hopeless, vacant world. And what happens in there affects us on the outside. And so for the Department of Correction, 
having a project that brings hope and positive activity into the prison, that elicits empathy between those living there and between those working and living there, is going to make it a more healthy place for people to live and work. It makes people less uh, prone to causing trouble in the prison. You know, idle hands are the devil's playthings. All of a sudden, people are working on something. They're taking their time to work on it, but it's also something they care about. They're investing in something that they really care about, which makes them vulnerable, which makes them want not to cause any trouble because they don't want anything to happen to their artwork. There's that going on as well. And then for the Department of Correction, the goal is to send people out into the community that are healthier than when they went in. About how long is one of these workshops? How long are you going and how many times are you visiting the facilities? Some workshops are run, the, the most workshops are every other week, so twice a month. They're infinite, they go on forever. So someone might participate for decades. I have people that have participated for over 30 years in a workshop. Um, in other facilities, especially now, due to COVID, for, for, with COVID, there was two years we were not able to physically be in the prison. So it was all through correspondence. So one of the things that I think we've all learned about uh, our lives and about the world, thanks to COVID, is that anything could end at any time. That we could have everything set up just perfectly and all of a sudden, I'm not gonna see you for years, you know? It can happen. And so there are a lot of workshops that we're running every week right now to make up for time that we lost, but also to really intensely and intently get something done while we have the opportunity to get something done. How do you guys figure out who gets to be part of the workshops? How do you manage all of those people? I'm not sure that we successfully do manage. Um, there are long waiting lists in all the facilities. We need, we're, we're writing grants, trying to, constantly trying to increase the budget, increase the staff so that we can address the need in the prison. But how do we do it is we have waiting lists. We correspond with everyone on the waiting list. We advocate with the um, staff of the prisons to allow all those who are on the waiting list to get supplies. We give supplies to people that are on the waiting list. We correspond with them about their work. Other artists will bring their work into the workshop and say, hey, Jeff, can you look at this and give some advice? And then I'll write that person. So we address it that way. But are we reaching everyone that wants to participate? Definitely not. I'm Morgan Cunningham, and this is Spotlight Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. This week, talking about prison art as reform. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. If you can get over to Willimantic, visit Eastern Connecticut State University, the Fine Arts Instructional Center. It's a beautiful building, and there is an art gallery there now all about prison art. And that is our focus this week on Spotlight Connecticut. You've really got to check it out. I think that you'll be moved by what you see. But don't take my word for it. While I was there recording with Jeff Green this week for Spotlight Connecticut, that's the guy that is running not only the prison arts program, but the exhibit that's currently at the gallery now featuring a lot of the prison art. I had the chance to talk with Kathleen. She was there just happening to visit the gallery. Kathleen, what brought you out here today? A friend of mine's son has art exhibited here today. Just speaking with you, you definitely seem very moved. Absolutely incredible. It's very touching. It, it's very personal. And um, it's almost overwhelming. There's just so much talent and, and feeling that goes into all of this. 
If you could, because we're on the radio, I need you to describe it. But could you describe one piece of art here that really moved you very much, Kathleen? One of the things that struck me is this one over here that's very plain. He's you know, just sitting on a toilet with the suggestion of it being in a, a fishbowl. Indignation is the name of it. And it just said a lot in terms of what people go through who are, who are in prison. Kathleen, my last question for you, and I really appreciate your time. If somebody in the listening audience is considering going all the way out to Illimatic to go see the Prison Art Gallery display at Eastern Connecticut State University, which is open through April 22nd, what would you tell them about something that maybe they wouldn't expect? Well, I think the incredible talent that's here in all the different media that's used. And just it's, it's just very, it, it touches the heart. To, to see what's here. Now, I know that you can't see the actual art, but Jeff and I are going to talk about two or three pieces in particular. We're going to describe them in detail, what they mean, and give you a taste of what the exhibit's all about on Spotlight Connecticut. All on the way. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, this is Caitlin in Hebron, and you're listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. I'm Morgan Cunningham, and this is Spotlight Connecticut, and we're talking about the Prison Arts Program, which currently has a display at Eastern Connecticut State University, and Jeff is my guest this week exploring what this is all about. And Jeff, let's just get some of the details out of the way for the listeners. How long is this going to be here at Eastern on display? So it's up until April 22nd, so Saturday, April 22nd. There are hours every day except Sunday, so there's lots of time to come see the show. I'm looking at something that I never would have imagined would have been possible in a prison, and basically you're going to describe it much better than me. 150 pounds of soap. The artist wants to let everyone know that it's high-class soap. It's Jergens soap. It's carved soap, so it's a, it's a castle built into a mountain and it took two years to make it's it's massive it was made in his cell and it's gorgeous just gorgeous uh there's writing embedded into the back of it it's carved soap and then there's areas where it's crushed soap and toilet paper there's cleaning pads you know the buffing and stripping and waxing pads like brillo pads for uh, shrubbery and trees um, there's gilt angels everywhere yeah just a, a massive a massive sculpture you wouldn't expect to see it at all but you definitely wouldn't expect to see it in an exhibition of work from a prison arts program and i think that that's one of the great illustrations of what the prison arts program is it's encouraging people to make unique work that could just as well have been made on mars as a prison I have to imagine that making something like this in a prison would not necessarily be considered okay, or allowed, I should say, or permitted. And certainly maybe having the materials, uh, maybe there are some materials in here that aren't allowed in prison, I don't know exactly for sure. So as far as making this goes and keeping it out of the eyes of someone who might stop it, or are they encouraging of this? I'm not quite sure. So it, it always depends. It's, you know, it varies prison to prison, block to block, shift to shift, what's allowed. Definitely there's some of that going on. But in this case, it's something that this artist started small, started working bigger, developed a sense of trust. The staff understood that this was artwork and it was only artwork. It wasn't something to hide contraband. It wasn't something 
to hide some other activity. And that trust was built over time. And so this artist was given a unique opportunity to build such a large artwork because of the trust that he had built with the staff. What happens to some of this art, especially something as large as this? Does it, you know, in some cases it's given out as a gift. We mentioned that earlier, but would this end up in a state office somewhere? Would this ever go up for sale? Would the artist be able to keep it for him or herself? So this is the property of the artist. And so this artist made a similar huge castle, mountain artwork several years ago that's right now on display semi-permanently, hopefully permanently, at Old Newgate Prison. We built a museum in the visiting center of Old Newgate, and that's where that one's exhibited. Uh, several of his artworks have gone to his children, and this particular one we're hoping to exhibit several times in other venues, libraries, places like that throughout Connecticut to share this work. Now let's go down, uh, down the hall here a little bit. There's some other artwork, and I don't know what the story is because we haven't talked about this one yet, and you pointed this out while we were uh, in the middle of our recording here that you wanted to talk about it. So it's called Waste of Talents. And so again, this is just like that soap sculpture. It's coated in floor wax. It's a drawing that's coated in floor wax. It's a masterful drawing. Why did I point it out? Why do I like it? It's such a powerful drawing. It's the moment that this artist was arrested. He's up against the wall being handcuffed. It's the end of an alley. At the end of the alley is everything that he lost going to prison. His family, his future, his education. To the right of the drawing is the devil pointing at him and laughing. To the far left is all the years, calendar years flying away. At the bottom is his hand as he's drawing this artwork, putting his present self into this depiction of the past. But the most powerful aspect of it is on the wall in the back in these meticulous, dripping, graffiti letters, it says, inescapable, inescapable. And then in small letters, again, inescapable. And that's just a really powerful word, and it really struck me, you know, this idea of something being inescapable. And not, you know, physically the prison, or in this case, the, the crime he committed and the result of, of committing that crime, both directly and to himself in all these years he's now incarcerated. And as a result of that, I started asking other artists to write about something that's inescapable. And it could be something positive, you know, the goodness that's in people, no matter where they are, the hope that still is instilled in people, even in the depths of a prison, things like that that people wrote about. But what I thought about was this one artist, Mia McSwain, and so to the left of this drawing, is a tote bag, a crocheted tote bag. And it's, the cro it's, it's two drawings from the artist's um, ch child. The artist's daughter sent, was sending drawings into her. And in 2016, she made this uh, bag combining several of her daughter's drawings, a, an anime-style girl saying, find your free. And what I was thinking about was when I went to see this woman after she got out. She got out of prison. I was, went to pick up artwork from her. She had made, she had crocheted a bag and crocheted a, uh, a version of herself, a crocheted version of herself that she took out of the prison. That was her art project, was to take herself out of the prison. And so I was going to pick that up for the annual show that year. 
And when I picked it up from her, and that was the 2018 annual show, we're sitting on the rail, we're leaning against the railing of the porch of her new uh, apartment house in Bridgeport. And she says how happy she is to have this apartment. And then she said, you know, Jeff, the other day I was cleaning my room and then I, I, I organized it. I put my desk right where, where I wanted it. I put my bureau right where I wanted it. I put my bed right where I wanted it. I got everything just where I wanted it. And then I stood at the door and I looked at it and I realized I just turned my room into my prison cell. I just made a mirror of my prison cell. So she's waited all these years to get out of prison and the first thing she does when she has her own place to live is subconsciously turn it into the same place that she was incarcerated. That it's inescapable, the prison is still there. The life that she had in prison, the way she thought about things, it's all inescapable. And so that's why I included this artwork in the show, this work from our permanent collection. And so, and that's, I, I really think it's a powerful artwork. And there's artwork like this throughout the show. We could point to any artwork and talk about where it's coming from. And I think that that's something for your listeners and viewers to the show to really consider is that this is not any typical art exhibition. This is an art exhibition that's a window into the prison, but it's a substantial, often no-holds-barred window into the, the soul of other people. It's incredible. You can't leave an exhibition like this not thinking that people are real complicated and that people in prison are people. There are people living in the prison. There are people living all around you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, there's millions of other people doing other things. And uh, it's a powerful thing to really think about. And this is the type of show that really elicits that kind of feeling and that kind of connection to the world around you. Jeff from the Prison Arts Program this week with me on Spotlight Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham. Jeff, I'm very curious about your relationship with the inmates because it seems to me that they trust you very much, that you obviously trust them very much and you encourage them and you help inspire them and find maybe that inspiration from within that they didn't know that they have or the discipline ultimately the satisfaction they get when they're able to make art like this. But could you tell me a little bit about how you relate to the inmates that you work with and the relationships you've developed with them over the years? Well, I, I would say definitely that um, there are people whose thoughts and artwork has really inspired me, artists in the prison, um, and made me think about the way that I live my own life, for sure. Um, but I'm very clear, this is a job, right? This is my job. I think there should be more people whose job it is to do things like this, really encourage people to discover unique aspects of themselves and get it out, and especially in these isolated worlds like a prison, um, that we really walk the line, that there's a certain understanding of what we can do and what we're not going to do, you know? and. Uh, it's, and I approach it very professionally with both the staff and the artists that I'm working with. I sincerely respect all the people that I work with. They become my colleagues. We're learning from each other. It's an art collective. Um, we share ideas about our work. We share our excitement about each other's work. Um, we share our criticism of each other's work. 
both our, both our work ethic and the artwork itself. And so we are being open and honest with each other. And that's, I, I guess that would be, that's the relationship that we built, you know, is that it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's mutual respect, honesty, and um, a feeling that we can be critical of each other. And we're looking to get something done. We're really trying to accomplish something. There is artwork that's on display here made by artists who were inmates but are no longer. Mm -hmm. They're out. And it seems to me that they have totally found a new passion in life, and that is making art and wanting to sell that art and become artists um, or contribute that art in some way to society maybe that isn't necessarily for sale, but they're, they're still making the art even after prison. And what can you tell me about the reform that these individuals have gone through? People take the work ethic that they developed while they were in prison, um, the satisfaction of doing these personal endeavors. Um, they take that out into the world. So there's a lot of that going on as well. So it's not, it's really not about becoming a professional artist. For most, most people in general, inside prison or out, it's gonna be real hard to make a living making art. But if you can make art while you're doing other things, if you have an outlet, for your own personal endeavor that grows and evolves. Imagine if you draw now, and you, all your listeners can imagine, imagine all of you, if you drew 10 minutes a day, just 10 minutes, wake up 10 minutes earlier, and while your mind is you know, active in the morning, spend 10 minutes working on a drawing for the rest of your life. Say you're 40 years old now, imagine 40 years from now, what you'll be capable of and what you'll have accomplished and what you'll leave in the world. That's what many of these artists are considering. That's what they're thinking about. They're thinking about you know, having this, this endeavor that's satisfying, and that's their own. We do have members of the audience who are incarcerated and listen to WTIC News Talk 1080. Jeff, kind of my last question for you. If they are listening and they're not part of the program, what would you say to them? Take action. To not, not have your prison sentence be a timeout. Have it be a substantial part of your life. Try to make documents of the things that you're thinking about right now. Because what will happen is no matter how long you're in prison, you could be in prison for 20 years, and when you get out a week later, it's not going to feel like 20 years. The outside world is so different than the world of the prison that your mind is going to compartmentalize that time, perhaps into just one bad month, one bad week, one bad year. You're not gonna remember all of the things that you think about. When you're in prison and you're in this forced contemplative environment, you start thinking about who you are, who you are in connection to other people, that you care about other people, that you hope to succeed. There are things that you hope to do in life. And when you get out, the world is so different than that world where you had those ideas and those thoughts that you forget all of that. So document that, write, write things down. If you make artwork, that's going to bring you right back in. If you have artworks that you made in prison, that'll bring you right back to the way that you were thinking when you were in the prison. But I'd say that's the most valuable thing that I can communicate to people in prison is use the time that you have. Live your life. Live a real substantial life in the prison. Don't wait till you get out. Don't think about, oh, when I get out, I'll be able to do these things. Do things now. Do productive, positive, constructive things. You don't have to be isolated in the prison. Those are all the things that I would say. 
And, you know, sign up for the workshops. <laughs> sign up for the Prison Arts Program. It's incredible. I'm Morgan Cunningham wrapping up this week on Spotlight Connecticut. I thank everybody for participating. A big thank you to Eastern Connecticut State University for welcoming me to do this program about the Prison Art Gallery that is on display at Eastern Connecticut State University through April 22nd. Anybody that wants to get in touch with me, whether it's about this program or maybe you have a show idea, email is the best way to reach me, morgan.cunningham at odyssey.com. I'll spell it out for you because I know it's a lot. M-O-R-G-A-N dot C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at odyssey.com. Morgan Cunningham at odyssey.com. We'll leave everybody with a little dose of inspiration to close out this program. Catch you next week on WTIC News Talk 1080. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.